Welcome, everybody, to the show. This is Lone Star Gun Talk, and I am your host, as always, Derek Wills. Welcome to the show. How about that Super Bowl? Um, I don't know if you're anything like me, but I was not emotionally invested in this one. I, uh, I'm a Cowboys fan, so I can't bear to see the uh, Eagles win anything, and nobody is a Patriots fan, so I, I was hoping that both teams would lose. Uh, that didn't happen, but it was a good game, and watching Tom Brady fumble, it was uh, fantastic. It, it really was. Anyway, let's move on to the uh, topic of the day. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I have uh, Mr. Sean Cody on the line. Sean is the primo, tip-top NFA attorney in the great state of Texas, which means he is the tip-top NFA attorney in the United States. And uh, he's here with us today. He's going to talk about SHOT Show. Mr. Cody, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. Hey, no problem. Anytime. Um, so you were at SHOT Show, uh, what was it, two weeks ago? Yes, uh, yep, week before last. Week before last. Okay, so uh, so tell us, what are some of the new and exciting things coming out of the firearm industry this year? Well, it's, you know, I, I'll say this. I've been going for about 10 years, so I've gotten kind of jaded about the AR-15 show. That SHOT Show has become... The AR-15s are us show. It seems like everybody is making ARs or stuff for ARs. So um, I, I've gotten kind of jaded about new stuff. Uh, for me, I, I think my favorite thing was a Precision Bolt Action 22. That's a Remington 700 short action footprint. So it'll fit in any Remington 700 chassis or stock. And I hate this as pedestrian as that sounds. I love shooting long range with 22s, so I was fascinated by that. The um, the Franklin Armory brought out the Reformation, which is a non-rifle, not a short barrel rifle because it doesn't have rifling. It has straight grooves in the barrel, and it's uh, basically a ten and a half inch AR-15 with a stock on it, a shoulder stock, and Instead of having spiral rifling, it, of course, has straight grooves. And, uh, you know, it's, to me, I've I've, I've participated in the making fun of it, the musket, the, I mean, there's been all kinds of internet memes. But you have to, you know, you have to give Franklin Armory credit for once again hacking the NFA and showing how irrelevant the National Firearms Act's you know, arbitrary definitions of, you know, short barrel rifle, you know, is. They, um, they, you know, they, they're trying to come out with a, what looks like a football, it's a thin projectile that loads into a 5.56 case. You know, of course, they don't have any way to load these projectiles. The machinery doesn't exist to load them. But it's, it's fascinating to me, you know, on a couple of levels. One, and they essentially hacked the NFA, so they've completely blown the definition of short barrel rifle, and you know, you know, completely up. Now they they kind of did it with the the shoulder braces, and now they've just done it with the shoulder stock. The other fascinating aspect of that is, if you look at the history of the M16, the 
M16 was a develop an intermediary was supposed to be an intermediary or intermediate rifle solution for the uh, combat soldier, and they were working on the SPI. I think it was the SPI CW. Don't quote me on that, but um, but it was a smoothbore uh, infantry rifle or infantry weapon system that shot thin discarding Sabo flechette rounds. So if, if you kind of look back to the history of you know where the military and the uh, manufacturers were trying to go in the 60s and 70s and early and maybe into the early 80s before they killed the programs, you know they were actually going to war with smooth bore infantry weapons that shot say, uh, discarding sabo flechette rounds that had fins, and they just never could. You know, they never could make the ammunition consistent enough with the technology of the 60s and 70s or cheap enough. So they kind of just stuck with the M16 and the 5.56 round all these years. But I, I, I doubt Franklin Armour really was thinking that deep into this. Maybe they were. But it's, you know, so there, it's, it's fascinating on those two levels for me, although I'd probably never own one because I've got SBRs and stuff. But... That was cool. Um, Professor Y. Hey, hey Sean, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, but before we move forward, um, I just want to point out to everybody, I forgot to mention this in the introduction, but uh, Sean Cody is also a weapons historian. (laughs) 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 Um, I didn't know any of that. Thanks for sharing. Uh, When Franklin Army first uh, issued out their press release on the, uh, their new, non-SBR. I was really excited about it because like you said, I love watching companies come out and hack the NFA uh, because it, it really is pointless. Now, I, I do remember uh, whenever the details came out that it was a non-rifled barrel. Uh, a lot of people were uh, giving them a lot of grief. And uh, it's, it's interesting because, yeah, it's not really an accurate weapons platform. But another thing to think about is whenever you're operating an SBR, you're not looking for a reach out and touch you at a thousand meters type weapon. Uh, You know, an SBR is typically designed for like a CQB environment. So, uh, you know, I'd probably never own one. I also have an SBR, but, uh, you know, good on Franklin Armory for, for innovating and once again, exposing the ludicrous laws that are on the federal books. Yeah, absolutely. It's you know, and, and if if what they claim is true, they're claiming they that they get three MOA out of it at a hundred yards. At least I believe that's that's what I read. It, you know, a lot, unfortunately, a lot of people really sometimes fail to shoot better better than two or three MOA. And you know, AKs have a reputation for being two or three MOA rifles at a hundred yards. You know, my my question, you know, one of my questions is. Does it stabilize the bullet enough to use the suppressor with it? That's a and very that's, interesting that's, question. Yeah, so um, you know that's and, and that's something that would really affect. That's another aspect that would affect the usefulness of the rifle. Uh, I I don't I'm, I'm not you know I, I don't want to insult a, you know real weapons historians. I just kind of read read that and uh, I think it was the oh the book it was the book of the black rifle. Um, I forgot the proper title to it, but it's a big hardbound book that goes deep into the history of the M16 
know, the original AR-15 and how it morphed into the M16 and the, you know, that weapon system development. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it would be interesting to know for sure if we could shoot that Franklin Armory suppressed. So I, I was really surprised. I, I, you know, we had talked, there's a lot of discussion about it, of course. Well, what Franklin Armory did that was even almost as genius as hacking the NFA was they managed to get every single person on the Internet in the firearms community talking about the upcoming, you know, reformation and Franklin Armory's big reveal that they were doing at Shotsha. And that, that was the brilliance of what they did because they got everyone speculating about how they had done this. How, and, and, you know, we all knew that Franklin Armory in the past has been very successful at, you know, reading the rules and working around the rules to achieve their goal. You know, originally it was, um, they, they came up with the, the AR-15 as a firearm with a pistol, uh, you know, buffer tube and a vertical foregrip on it. It wasn't an AOW, it wasn't a pistol, it was a firearm. So, we were all, you know, everyone that was thinking about this and talking about it was trying to figure out what they had done. And, you know, of course, my, my take on it was that, you know, it had to be the trigger. It, it, I really, I, I thought, well, you know, I, I surmised or opined that it might be a smooth board, but I couldn't think anybody would be stupid enough to do that. Who would buy it if they were? And so it must be that it must be the trigger. It must be a firearm release trigger, and that they had gotten the ATF to, you know, agree that uh, pulling the trigger and it not firing until you release it was, uh, you know, didn't meet the definition of rifle. And I thought the other other thing that was certainly possible was they had talked the NFA into agreeing that a shoulder stock. A stock that you know, a regular magpole stock for the shoulder. Shoulder uh, wasn't really a shoulder stock, and it was a brace of some kind because you can put a wrap through the little uh, loops, like the old uh, you know, 15 stocks, the original Colt stocks. And uh, and it turns out that they did the smoothbore thing, which was just well, you know, brilliant you know, in the sense that they got everybody in the entire. Internet, you know, gun community and the internet talking about Franklin Armory and what they were doing at Shot Show. So, yeah. Seriously, good on Franklin Armory. I know people are going to give him a lot of grief for this whole smoothbore thing, but, you know, innovation is innovation. Uh, you know, it, 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 it does its purpose. It serves its purpose by exposing the ridiculousness that are some of our federal firearms laws, uh, particularly the NFA. And, you know, it, it was the, it was the same thing whenever they came out with the bump stock. It's just another one of those, um, another one of those capitalistic innovations where you have a private company coming out and making a solution to a draconian law, essentially. And, you know, it makes me really happy. What are some other things that SHOT Show that really stood out that you liked and noticed? The, um, I, I thought the proliferation of mid-range precision optics and the you know, Japanese glass and the $1,500 range was interesting. Um, 
L3 and EOTech are coming out with a, a voodoo series. Um, I forgot. I, I did a little video of that on my YouTube channel. It's got nice glasses. They actually have a horse reticle in it. Um, that was pretty impressive. Um, Athlon's, you know, Athlon's been around for a few years. Their stuff is impressive. Um, I actually went over and checked out Cytron. They've got some new first focal plane, you know, mid-range Japanese glass in the $1,500 range. Uh, they've got their version of the horse radical, decent turrets on it. Um, that looks promising. If you know the, uh, uh, you go over to uh, Sightmark and the Pulsar booth. They've got some $1,500 Japanese glass. Um, it, it's just interesting to see the the proliferation of decent um, long-range precision glass on the market in the $1,500 range. So you're not having to go spend you know $2,500 or three or four or five thousand dollars for you know higher you know high-end Smith and Bender, Hensall, Collis. Um, you know, whatever, you know, Steiner, you know, even the Steiner MX-5 to 25, that's the, you know, $3,000 range. But, you know, you're not having to spend, you know, great huge jobs of money, you know, that locks a lot of people out of the, the precision market if they want to get a decent option. Yeah, no, that's, that's fantastic. It really is. Um, you know, a, a good optic is, is not cheap. And uh, they are coming out with some some great great optics that are you know pretty bargain priced, and uh, you know that's going to do a lot for you know the hunting community. And uh, you know it's it's great to see that sort of innovation taking place. Uh, and dis, despite the the scares going away, you know the uh, Obama was the greatest gun salesman in the world. And that's that's since gone, and we've seen a decline in firearm sales, and the firearm industry has kind of been hurt a little bit because of the election of Donald Trump. And but you still see this sort of innovation, and that sort of thing gives me a little bit of hope because I was worried a little bit about the decline of the firearms industry. I was uh, it. it you know, they had such a rock solid decade and then all of a sudden the scare goes away. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and then, you know, forty one F and the Hearing Protection Act and every you know, I I was always skeptical skeptical about that, but you know, the um, it's you, you look at those the downturn that we as in the farms industry have suffered and it's amazing that as many people are still hanging in there and still innovating. I mean, you know, you, you think about it. I, I like how I'm a glass snob to some extent. I, I use Vortex Razor HD, um, Steiner, US Optics, uh, Night Force. Uh, you know, I like good glass and good mechanicals. And three years ago, well, we'll put it like this. I, I think this is my 10th year going. This is the first year I've stopped by the Cytron booth and looked at their glass. Um, and in part, part of that is because they've really done some good stuff with their high-end, with their high-end stuff, their $1,500 stuff. Um, Sightmark, the, in the Pulsar, the Pulsar group, um, you know, I would never have looked at their stuff, their glass. And this is the first year that, you know, they had something there that was interesting. Um, 
you know, a buddy of mine bought a Cyclone 8 to, 8 to 32, and we were playing with that. And, you know, you can, you can tell a difference between a Night Force, I think it's an ATAC or an ATACR that he has. Um, you know, you can tell a difference at 300 yards in the woods as the sun's going down. And we set them up next to each other. Look, um, but, you know, that Cytron, that, that uh, Cytron, um, you know, actually it tracks well. And, you know, the glass is decent. I mean, for, for $1,500. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, they've really done some good stuff. And they've really improved their product, and it's it's interesting to see that kind of spreading across. And that's just you know there, there's almost no excuse to have crappy glass and crappy mechanicals on anything from a 22 up to a you know whatever the 301 mag. Right. No, I, I absolutely agree. And one thing that a lot of people don't well maybe they do realize it but the innovation and the research and development that goes into developing a uh, a great optic a great scope uh it takes time it takes uh it takes a lot of money it's not cheap to develop something like that but companies are being able to do this on a mass level and reduce the costs so what we've seen in recent years is the ability for people to afford a relatively decent optic that has great clear picture and it's nowhere near as expensive as it used to be. What we've essentially seen is the quality get better throughout the entire spectrum. Another interesting thing, um, and this is a direct result of the HPA, the Hearing Protection Act. Um, I, you know, I have I was I protected for a few years that is HP, if HPA passed, HPA passed, you're going to see every gun, every firearms manufacturer start building their own line of suppressors. And you kind of, you saw that start with Freedom Group buying AAC. And, you know, of course they bought Marlin, DPMS, Bushmaster, um, who am I forgetting? So Remington was in there. So they had AAC. So there's a natural tie-in with all of those companies to sell AAC suppressors. Then you saw, um, God, who's who's the next one? Uh, Ruger came out with its 22 suppressor. Sig, Sig was the next one. Sig came out with a full line of suppressors. So every Sig farm could potentially have a Sig silencer. Uh, Ruger came out with their 22, which 22s are big with Ruger, and frankly. They're rumored and have been rumored for two years now to be working on a cast baffle stack uh, aluminum or a cast baffle stack 30 caliber can. Um, CZ was the way, well, Smith & Wesson it bought Gemtech last year. So now Gem, now Gemtech is uh, going to be on every Smith & Wesson gun. Um, CZ went the SIG route and got some guys, one of which is from the Houston area, they built a team, and now they have their own line of suppressors. Yeah. So it's just, it's just yeah. a matter of getting that law passed. Uh, of course, you know, I favor I favor Shush, uh, which I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with, right? Absolutely, yeah. Shush is the way to go. These are accessories, not firearms. You shouldn't have to do a 4473 to buy a suppressor. Yeah, that should be like buying a stock or a rail. Right. Uh, 
of course, uh, in my personal opinion, I don't think you should have to do a 4473 to buy anything, but that's just me. Wow. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with you on that. That's, uh, you know, I, I have those conversations with clients, and it's like, yeah, we can spend we can spend two hours, you know, talking about how the Second Amendment means, you know, shall not infringe means just that. But yeah, let's talk about something that we can change. Um, you know, and, and you know, the Shush Act, you know, the Shush Act is the way it should go. I mean, it, 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 that that's a proper classification of silencer. It's not a firearm, and it shouldn't be treated as a firearm. No, no, it definitely shouldn't. It shouldn't be required to be serialized. It shouldn't require any sort of tracking or any sort of documentation or anything like that. Uh, you know, it's a hearing protection device. Exactly, it's a gun muffler. Right. So, but it's it's fascinating because you know when you look at these manufacturers, a lot of them have you know they're running CNC machines. Right now, they're not running them 24-7, so they've got downtime. Well, you know, when a CNC machine isn't, when a mill's not milling, you know, it's not making you any money. It's costing you money. Right. So it makes perfect sense for every firearms manufacturer to bring suppressors in-house because they're, you know, that's, that's money that they're giving away to, to another suppressor, another manufacturer. And if they've got the extra time on their machines, why aren't they turning out suppressor pieces? Right. Now, I, I agree. It's just a matter of getting the Republicans in Congress to actually move the bill forward and pass it, hopefully. Um, but, you know, following Las Vegas, that whole thing got um, sidetracked, basically almost dumped in the trash, and it's it's still hanging out, you know? Both of them are. And it's unfortunate that we have to... You know, we we can't have any sort of tragedy that has nothing to do with anything related to the actual bill take place. But because it's somewhat, you know, related to firearms, well, now we can't touch it at all. It's it's kind of a tragedy in and of itself. I've I've, always, I've noticed that you know I know it's complete coincidence, but you know every time we're about to have a pro gun bill get passed, some mass shooting occurs. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it definitely, fe- yeah, it, it does definitely feeds the conspiracy theorists out there, uh, which I'm not one, but I, I, I don't, I don't, either, but, but the, I, I understand where they're coming from. It, it kind of makes sense a little bit. Uh, it just so happens to be the, the timing of everything just is there, but you know, they don't talk about what's funny is you know, you take a tragedy like Las Vegas and nobody realizes that that's every weekend in a place like Chicago. Chicago, and, absolutely. You know, that or never Houston. gets... Or no, Houston. Houston. Houston, uh, I've noticed this year we've had a lot more uh, gun violence. And, or Now, this is interesting. I don't know if we've actually had more gun violence or if it's being reported more. It probably is a little bit of both. I would be willing to bet that the media is starting to report anything and everything that they can. Yeah, you know, I've got the uh, news apps, uh, Channel 13 news app on my phone. And when I had the notifications activated, you know, it seemed like every day there was one or two, you know, gang-related, you know, shootings or, 
Yeah, a robbery studio. Oh, not to mention the whole New Year's Eve scare that had absolutely nothing to do with firearms whatsoever. I'm sure you saw that one, right? No, I missed it. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, basically, a guy was was drunk and belligerent at uh, one of the hotels downtown. Yeah, he was at the uh, Hill. I think it was either the Hyatt or the Hilton downtown. I think it was the Hyatt Regency. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, it was. And, or at least I think it was. And, yeah, okay, yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah he was just drunk. He didn't want his guns to get stolen. So he took him to the hotel with him and got drunk and disorderly. Yeah, but the thing is, you know, he wasn't armed at the time of the drunken disorderly. He ended up going back to his room, and that's when the police showed up. And, of course, you have Art Acevedo in Houston, who's never been pro-gun, never been gun-friendly in the slightest bit, starts popping off to the uh, to the media saying, hey, we got a guy with a bunch of guns in a hotel room on New Year's Eve. And it's just, it's it, it would be funny if it wasn't so tragic that this is what we've come to. Yeah, Art has a horrible Second Amendment record in both Houston and Austin. Yeah. Um, he's definitely not a friend of gun owners. And yeah, you know, I've I've even invited him invited him on the program and gotten no response whatsoever. Hey, bless his heart, you're not going to. <laughs> well, you know the the uh, Chief Acevedo, if you just happen to be listening, the invitation is still here, and I promise, I'm just gonna have a discussion with you, even if I disagree. I just want a discussion, but you know that's it. Balls in your court, my friend. Um, but, uh, what else is going on in the firearms industry? Well, uh, uh um, you know, let's go back to shot show for a second, because there's a couple of other interesting things. We, you know, we haven't seen any big changes in, I haven't seen anything new in the suppressor arena. Um, one of the things that interested me was the devices for attaching a camera to your scope and running video through your day optic. Oh, that's cool. And I, I picked one up. I, um, I, oh, it's so embarrassing. They, these guys gave me one to demo and play with and, and you know, say nice things about it. I think it was iScope. Um, and, and I just, you know, I haven't had a chance to really delve into it yet. But there's a, uh, there was that one and I'll do some video and, and come back and we'll talk about it. Uh, that's that looks promising. The other one has a prism, so you can mount the phone on the side of the optic, and the shooter looks through the glass and the prism and he sees what he would normally see. And what I thought was most interesting about that, I've got an eight-year-old and a six-year-old. So if I and there's, I talked to them about sending me one to demo and, and do some video with and use it and write a review about it. Um, but what was really cool about that is I can put my son, either of them, behind the scope and say if we're hunting deer out of a stand, I can see what he's about to shoot and make sure he's shooting uh, the, the deer that we picked out for him to shoot. Yeah. I can sit there... And when we're training and shooting on the range, you know, I could sit there and watch his shot and see if he's pulling at or jerking the trigger or, 
you know, using the right holdover when we, you know, because if we take a 22 out to two or 300 yards, then I'm making them either dial in, you know, dial in, you know, I'm trying to teach them to dial or use the holdovers in the Millbot Radical. And I can watch and see if he's holding over the correct number of uh, mills. Yeah. So, and, and same for wind. I, you know, okay, you, you know, you've got a two mil left wind hole. And I can look at what he's doing and say, okay, well, you want to try that again? That's, is that your left or your right? And count that again. So, as a training age, as a father, you know, that's a great training age. Oh, absolutely. So, and, and you know, it doesn't have to be for your children either. That's a great training aid no matter what. Oh, absolutely it is. So I, I can't wait to – I need to reach out to those guys. They, they don't have it in production yet. They had uh, – I actually did a video of that that's on my YouTube channel. And that's um, – oh, Lord, is that Scope Eye or Scope Kit? I, I, Scope Vision, maybe. And uh, they were downstairs at the bottom of that giant room. Um, so I thought those were really fascinating because I, I, you know, I, I like video and stuff through the scope that I'm shooting. Um, you know, the Glock, uh, I'm a Glock guy, so I don't really walk around looking at new guns. You know, it's, uh, I, I like Glocks and that's what I shoot. You know, when I pick up a Breda 92, it reminds me of how nice they are. And then I want to start shooting a Breda 92 and God forbid I pick up a 1911 because that's more high power because those are both almost perfect weapons. Um, so I just kind of wandered through the Glock booth. The, um, you know, that 19X or MX, that new uh, uh, 19.5 with a 17 frame, I, you know, that that felt really nice. Um, I, I, you know, I have to admit, I really like what Glock did with that. Um, you know, Sig, this is kind of the year of the PDW, or it's kind of a continuation of uh, the PDW. Everybody's got their ultra small rifle caliber, you know, AR style stuff. And, you know, SIG has their uh, Rattlers, which came out before SHOT Show, you know, six months, eight months before SHOT Show. That's a really cool gun. Um, you know what? Speaking of um, speaking of ARs and, and things like that, probably one of my favorite innovations uh, for the AR platform is the quick disconnect barrel for, typically it's for pistol platforms um, or SBRs. Uh, I love the idea of a quick disconnect barrel that you can really make your AR platform really compact for transport or whatever you're doing. Uh, was was there any of that there at Shot Show? Um, I have to say it, that's so far off my radar. I you know I I originally you know, years ago I followed the quick change barrels. You know, L, I think LMT had a quick change barrel and. I um, can't remember. There's another one. Maybe I don't think it was LMT, but you could change the magazine well and put a AKM, you know, use an AKM magazine. And you know, the Scar, the Robinson Arms, they all have tech, you know technically uh, quick change barrels. You can un undo a couple of screws. I I always looked at them from a caliber change standpoint, and you know, I, I figured out with an AR, you're be I thought you were better off having multiple uppers with dedicated optics 
That way you didn't have to recite the gun in every time you changed the barrel. Um, and you're, you're kind of talking about that, uh, oh, is it the, not the NOLO, um, what's that? Is it the NOLO, that's not NOLO, it's, that's a lawyer. Um, uh, man, I'm having trouble thinking of it. Is it Dolos? Is, uh, is, yeah, is that, that it? Is that the one? Yeah, I've seen those, and they, they've kind of got a weird name, and I forgot who makes them. Um, that that's interesting because you just unscrew the the rail off, and the barrel comes. That takes the barrel nut with it, and then the barrel. I think the rail and the barrel nut are captured on the barrel, so they don't come off uh, of the barrel. But it unscrews out, the barrel pops out, and then you've got the upper, you know, the upper and lower receiver, and then when it's time, uh, you know, when it's time to shoot it, you just stick it back on, tighten it up, hand tight, and you're back in action. Um, I've always wondered what that does with your point of impact and your zero, but it, you know, it, it absolutely makes a very compact weapon that takes, you know, 15 seconds, 20 seconds to get it into action, and that, you know, that's not bad. No, not at all, especially, and and I would say that that 10 to 15 seconds is for somebody that's not too terribly familiar with it, maybe has had a, done it once or twice, but you get somebody that has the muscle memory, I mean, you could shave that in half, and uh, that could make for a very quick deployment if needed. Yeah, that's probably about the same time if, uh, if you had it in a guitar case. <laughs> right. Right. I carry my I carry my my short gun, and you know sometimes if you know if you have people you know protesting and blocking freeways with the potential for them to pull other people uh, in the cars out of the cars and beat them up, beat them to death. Um, in those situations, I've got a, a Larue Coburn, or no, actually it's an LWRC Coburn uh, guitar case that I stick one of my short barreled ARs with the suppressor in. And uh, I figured that would take about the same amount of time. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's all, you know, and, and I, I, I've walked around downtown Houston with it. Nobody questioned some dude with a uh, guitar case. Right. No, I mean, that's... Uh... That sort of thing, I wish that we would see a bit more innovation on. I think that we will in the future. Um, I think that that will be a not a huge market, but I think it will be an interesting market to watch. Uh, it, it It's one of the things that definitely fascinates me because I'm always trying to think ahead, and something like that fits in almost anywhere. You know, you could keep that in your car without any sorts of, you know, anybody noticing. You could, I mean, I drive a Corolla. You could definitely keep that in a Corolla hidden away, you know. Uh, you don't you don't need to have a bench seat fold up to keep your AR platforms if that's what you're looking to do. And so I've just I've just found it interesting since uh, the first time I saw it and I'm hoping that there's going to be some uh, some interesting things come out of that for the future. So, you know, I I do wonder about keeping your zero and and things like that, but uh, on an SBR platform it's not really as important as it is for like a thousand meter bolt gun, for instance. But you know, uh, we'll we'll see what what comes of that. Um, now, I, I kind of. Oh, go ahead. I, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, I, I shoot my I shoot my fourteen and a half inch PLF 
uh, P308. That's my hog gun. Now, I shoot that out to 700 yards. Um, to me, accuracy is important, especially even in a CCO, close quarters weapon, defensive weapon, because there may be a time where you have to make a headshot across the room to save your wife or your kid. Right. And, 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 or even on the street, if you're getting, people are getting drug out of their cars and someone grabs your kid, you know, it's the time for talking might very well be over at that point, And you might have to pull a headshot off. And, you know, A, you don't want to miss his head. B, you don't want to miss his head and shoot your kid or your wife or somebody. Right. So, you know, I, and, and I haven't, you know, that, you know, and, and that to me is, you know, I, I think that's quite important, even in, especially in a defensive situation. The, um, the, you know, you talk about these PDWs, that's one, you know, that's the takedown approach to it. And you look at what uh, SIG has done with the Rattler. I mean, it's a piston 5.56 with a 6 or 7, 8-inch barrel and a collapsed stock, which really isn't a whole lot bigger, you know, maybe 2 or 3, 4 inches, I guess, bigger than that takedown, that, uh, that takedown barrel system. Right. And, and it's ready to go when you pull it out with no, no point of impact shift issues. Right. The... Um, you know, LWRC has led you know, led the way uh, with PDWs. All you know, eight inch. I've got an eight inch six point eight upper. Um, you know, of course, and, and then you have to wonder. Well, I, I would think screwing that barrel end is probably faster than popping two pins and putting the uh, that eight inch upper receiver on a, a a bare lower that doesn't have the upper receiver on it. Um, although that's pretty fast too, if you think about it. Yeah. So I, uh, you, you know, I don't know. I, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, there's, there's plenty of, of, uh, you know, I guess the CZ Scorpion would probably classify as an SMG, even though, uh, the, it's the Civi variant that's not select fire, but, um, well, and, and, and CZ's coming out with a PDW version. I, uh, I think I saw some last night, um, and I missed it at Shot Show because I was so I was really looking at their they had a CZ uh, Scorpion with a suppressor under the handguards, which most of my clients SBR their CZ Scorpions and put a suppressor under the handguards. Um, but apparently they've got a PDW size, uh, really short Scorpion now. So that you know that's really cool too. Interesting. You know what I would wish, uh, you, you know, speaking of uh, PDWs and, and SMGs, I am really waiting on H&K to release a uh, civilian version MP7. I love that gun. <laughs> that would be cool. I, that, that's a horribly expensive gun to shoot, though. Oh, yeah, that's that ain't so cheap. No, and, and the guns, you know, even a post-86 dealer sample, um, those, uh, those things cost... You know, eight, nine, ten, twelve thousand dollars. Yeah. So, and H uh, and K isn't selling any more of them to civilians. Oh, really? Not even, not even dealer samples. Not even dealer samples. Well, yeah. When I say civilians, I mean uh, 07s. And, okay. and you know, yeah, they're they're not selling them to uh, U.S. dealers. They only will sell them to government agencies. Hmm. 
is is that is that an ISAR reg or or what? No, it's HKB and HK. Oh, okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a, you know, it's the there's these Germans. We yeah. do not like civilians. You know, um, they're pretty interactive on social media, and every time they have a post where they want uh, audience engagement, I see them responding to all sorts of comments, and I'll typically throw in, hey, can you release the MP7 for us? And I get ignored. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, my, my, my favorite story about that, uh, I don't know, do you know who Taylor Pickerel is, but he's a brilliant, you know, firearms engineer, designer, gunsmith um big, big shout out to him he does some really good work um he converted a is it the psg1 that's the twelve thousand dollar hk91 based sniper rifle precision rifle uh yeah 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 it's the psg1 he made a comment on instagram that he would convert a psg1 to full auto and shoot it and I think I think it went down that H and K said you can't do that. That's impossible, and you wouldn't do it because it's too expensive of a gun. So the next thing is Taylor is posting up a video of his uh, PSG one being run in auto mode. <laughs> yeah, I think I remember that video. <laughs> and, and HK had a suitable response. Yeah, you know, it was like, okay, well, you did that. <laughs> Yeah, I guess whenever uh, I guess whenever you actually put your money where your mouth is and and do what you say you're gonna do and you get called out, that, nah, you can't do that, and then you do it. Yeah, I, I I'd pretty much shut up too. Yeah, it was it was pretty good. I, if I um, <laughs> uh, pardon me, the track went down the wrong way, but um, <laughs> don't die. I, you're not I, allowed to die on the air. Yeah, not on the air. That was be entertaining. Um, it was, I think H- HK actually reposted his video on their feed. I don't, I, I think they did. It was, <clears throat> I remember it was just incredible to watch. You know, here's Taylor blasting away with a $12,000, very rare PSG-1. After HK was like, you can't do that. You, you, know, you wouldn't do that. You can't do it. Oh, yeah, Taylor did it. He's like, yep, he did it. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. But, you know, but HK, you know, it's it's interesting. I have I have been anti HK since probably the nineteen nineties because they they kind of did what cult did. They threw us civilian you know buyers and their civilian customer base. I I felt like cult threw us under the bus, and I felt like HK, HK certainly did. And they have done a real good job in the past few years of moving production to America and you know reengaging civilian gun sales. Yeah. And, and and I you know I, I I seem to remember that when they were first going to bring their 416 to the civilian market, it wasn't going to be compatible with AR-15 parts, the AR-15 uppers, M16 uppers, and I, I don't think that's the. I, I could be wrong. I, I think they changed that, and they've got a compatible, you know, a relatively compatible gun. Um, I guess I should check up on that before it sounds foolish. But 
So that's they they've done a really good job. Hell, they they've done a really good job taking firearms contracts from American companies and FN. Right. Which surprised surprised me. That's uh, I, I was I was unpleasantly surprised when they won the IAR contract. I want I wanted that to go to an American company. Right. Um, hey, real quick, I want to shift gears uh, and ask you, when the hell are you running for state senate? I am not. I am not a political animal. I, I'd rather lobby them than be a part of it. Uh, uh, man, we could really use somebody of your philosophy and expertise in the legislature. You know that. I, I'm more... Uh, uh, it might be fine. I'd rather be a district court judge than. Oh, than that'd a be fine. Yeah, that, 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 that'd be that'd be more my my area of expertise. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, tell everybody a little bit about your YouTube channel, what you do, and uh, uh, also Texas NFA Trust. Uh, so I I'm a obviously a, well say obviously I'm a lawyer um, I'm licensed practice in the state of Texas I do gun trust that's a major part of my practice also do a little bit of criminal law and family law and you know some other stuff but the gun trust is probably the biggest part of my practice and has been for years and it's fun it's you know everybody's happy it's you know they uh, you do the you do the gun trust. You go buy a silencer. And you have lots of happy people, happy clients. Versus, you know, family law. You can't make people happy because they're getting divorced right. or some some trauma is going on in their life with criminal law. Um, but that's that's what I do. It's uh, TexasGunTrust.com. Um, alternate websites. Well, I'll just leave it TexasGunTrust.com, and um, and that's that's pretty much what I do. I get to I get to talk guns. And you know, it gives me a great excuse to go shoot guns, you know, and go hunt and play with night vision and silencers and stuff. And I, I will say, uh, for those listening, I've used Sean for, for my trust, and it is rock solid. If you ever need any changes done, he's more than happy to do them for you. Uh, and, you know, it's it's the last trust you'll ever need. It really is bomb-proof, so... Uh, if you are looking for a trust, I highly recommend that you use Sean Cody because it it really is amazing. Uh, what about your YouTube channel? Uh, YouTube is it's under my name Sean Cody, but you got to be careful and put Texas, you know, like gun trust because unfortunately uh, I share a name with a probably the most successful gay porn star out there. <laughs> so if you just type in Sean Cody or SeanCody.com. Don't do that. You'll get an eyeful of something you don't want to see. Wow. Um, so, <laughs> or maybe some people might want to see that. You never know. They might. Hey, money's green. I'm cool with it. But yeah, it's my <laughs> personal choices. Uh, but uh, most of my clients, uh, if they make that mistake, they uh, they call me and like, hey, you know, I typed in SeanCody.com <laughs> and you would believe it. And I tell them, yes, as a matter of fact, I would. <laughs> I'd absolutely believe what you saw because uh, you're not the first. So I always tell people if you're looking for me on YouTube, it's Sean Cody, S-E-A-N-C-O-D-Y, and be sure you put in gun trust lawyer or guns, firearms, or something like that. Well, guns might get the other Sean Cody also. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, uh, yeah that's true. I, uh, yeah, put firearms or silencers or NFA. Uh, that, that'll get you to my channel. 
I've got a bunch of videos. They're a lot of fun. You know, it's, uh, it's one, one of my hobbies. It's, uh, yeah, I like to shoot, so I like yeah, I take pictures and videos of us shooting different suppressors and different guns. And, you know, it's, uh, it's just yeah, it's fun. It's just something to do. It's, that's, that's reason enough to do it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, uh, Sean is also really active on Instagram and Facebook, and he's always posting pictures of some animal that he's killed. And uh, the last one that I saw, there was a uh, there was a good sized hog with half of his face missing. And uh, you know that's just the kind of stuff that Sean does. It's if you if you want some entertainment that's free, uh, aside from his YouTube channel, also his social media accounts are are great to follow. And uh, you'll definitely see some things, and you'll be like, "Damn, way to go!" <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I'm I'm at Texas Gun Trust on uh, Instagram, and I'm TexasGunTrust.com on Facebook or Sean Cody. And I've got the little X-ray of the silencers. I think that's a picture that Robert Silver's did back in the beginnings of the, uh, AAC or a Freedom Group bottom. The, uh, you know, and hunting hogs is fun. We do that with thermal and night vision and suppressed rifles. I've, I've actually gone to a 308 for that because I got, you know, and, and what I found uh, with hogs is there's no magic finger of depth that's not a 20 millimeter cannon for hogs. <laughs> right. So, there, was pretty a, much, there was a video that we posted up on Lone Star Gun Rights' Facebook page. Uh, this guy was just, he was running up and a hog started charging him from less than 30 feet and he was just barely able to get a round off and right through the guy, uh, right through the hog's head. And I'll tell you, there were a lot of people that were not happy about that video. <laughs> they were calling them all sorts of names. Oh Lord. I, I, there's a video that somebody posted and you know, you try to explain to folks, you know, the people that don't hunt, people that do hunt, but don't deal with hogs, you know, they, they will criticize, you know, they criticize me and other people that hunt hogs because we're shooting them with thermal, you know, thermal and I-squared night vision on our helmets. And, and you know, you, you stalk up on them and you shoot them and sometimes you kill so many you can't keep the meat. And I was raised that you eat what you kill. But that was before we had a sounder of hogs that would go through a farmer's field and tear up $100,000 of freshly, you know, sown rice or wheat or oats right. or whatever. Um, that was before, you know, we had hogs that would come in and tear up a field so bad that you couldn't, you know, drive across it in a tractor mm. or a truck. Um, you know, and, and people don't realize that this is eradicate, and you know, we're, you know, we, we call it hunting because we, it's fun to do. But the thing is, the hogs are truly an invasive species, and a sow gives birth to multiple large litters every year. So when you kill, you know, one boar or one pig, then there's hundreds more to take its place. Absolutely. You're, you're doing the state of Texas a service. Uh, I know you know that, but. If there's any animal animal rights activists out there listening, Sean Cody is doing his part. On something, another interesting thing that I just learned about hogs 
Um, and I, I've always known that they always meat. You know, they, they're omnivores, I believe. And I, I believe that's the correct term for biology uh, many years, many, many years ago. Uh, but I was, I was doing it. I did a trust. I've done trust for guys that own large, you know, low fence and high fence uh, deer operations, you know, hunting, hunting operations. And I, I learned that hogs will kill fawns and hogs will kill doe. Really? And not only will they run your deer off of the feeder, but they will kill when a doe, what I was told was that when a, a fawn has a doe and is somewhat immobile, if the hogs stumble upon her, they'll kill her, eat the, eat the mom, and kill the baby fawn and eat it. Wow. See, I and didn't know that. Fawn. I didn't know that either, but, you know, that yeah, sounds good to me. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, but these are guys that are doing this. That's their, you know, their job is to run these large hunting operations. So, you know, you would think that they're, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that I was giving good information. But, you know, I, you know knowing hogs and, and, and observing them for as many years as I have, that doesn't surprise me a bit. Not at all. Not at all. They're, they're, they wreak havoc, and in the, and we really need to thin out their population. So I really uh, thank you for for doing your part. And you know, there's a reason there's no bag limit on them. Yeah, it's, and that's a, and there's a reason we get to hunt them any anywhere you find them anytime. I saw there's another good video, and I, it looked like it was from Europe. But this guy was standing on the road, and the hog comes charging out of nowhere from behind him, knocks him down. His buddy is hitting the hog with a snow shovel, and it's filmed from a re- what appears to be a restaurant. His girlfriend comes out, or his wife, or somebody comes out. She starts hitting the hog with her purse. There's another guy standing there, and finally the hog decides he's had enough of the chick with the purse and just lights her up, charges her, rolls her over, has her on her side, and he's gored, you know, getting his tusk into her abdomen. And, you know, it's just, it's a horrific video, and but it shows you just how, you know, aggressive and dangerous these big boars can be. Absolutely. So, that's and, that's why know, we invented, or that's why uh, we legalized hella hogging. Uh, that's why I have friends that have done that. I haven't, I haven't partake of, partaken of that myself. But, oh, Lord, everyone that does it says it's, it's a hoot. <laughs> You know, I'm I'm sure that it is. It's definitely on my bucket list. Uh, Anyway, we've kind of gone off on a tangent here. Uh, Going back to SHOT Show, what are some of the things that you wish you could have picked up or some of the things that you want to buy now? The the three things I want to get from SHOT Show, I want a POF Revolution, which is their AR size. You know, it's an AR pattern, AR frame, 308. It weighs about seven and a half pounds. And that came out... So they kind of debuted uh, the production model last year, pre-production the year before. I still want one of those. It's, it's basically an AR-15 with a 308 bolt head and a 308 magazine well. It uses AR-15 uh, fire control group. That Voodoo 22, the little Precision 22. Um, and the other thing that I really thought was cool and I want is a uh, IWIO, Israeli Weapon Industries, uh, Tavor 7, a 308 bullpup. Oh, that <laughs> is on my list. So, I mean, I've loved the Tavor, the Tar 21, whatever you want to call it. I've loved that weapons platform since I've seen it. And 
I hate bullpups. And IWI yeah. made the best, hands down, the best bullpup weapons platform ever. I am in love with that weapon. It's, it's, it's an impressive weapon. The, the 7, the 7.62, I did a little video of that. And, you know, I, I've always, I, I grew up wanting a Star Ock or AUG. Um, however, I think it's AUG. Ock is probably the redneck Texas. I say Ock. Yeah, <laughs> I think they call it just the AUG. So I've always wanted one of those. And then Star brought them, well, um, you know, we had two different companies that were making them uh, in 2008 or so, and they both Ratworks and um, uh, who's the guys that had the uh, Microtech, um, and they both went, you know, tips up and, and died. Steyer started making them in the U.S., stopped making them, and they're bringing them back. So I've always, you know, wanted to Steyer off, and I ended up with a Tabor uh, 5.56. And now Steyer is supposed to be bringing them back. Lithgow is supposed to be, um, I just read something that Lithgow, uh, who does the Australian version of the AUG, is supposed to be bringing the latest, most modernized version of the Australian Army's infantry weapon, which is their updated and modernized AUG to the U.S. They're supposed to be starting manufacturing it here. Um, and to bore, you know, IWI, Upgraded the Tabor to the what is it the SAR SAR some rather, um, and then Tabor is bringing out that seven the the seven six two. But I you know in uh, Desert uh, Desert Tactical who does the bullpup precision rifles as they were showing their bullpup uh, seven six two and five five six. Maybe it didn't. Maybe it's just five five six. I don't remember. But I kind of walked by the Desert Tactical booth. That's a uh, really interesting precision rifle. Um, it's interchangeable. It's a chassis. It's a bullpup chassis system with interchangeable uh, barrels. And uh, I, I've never been, you know, super interested in it except from the uh, technical standpoint. So I've known guy. I've known a couple of guys that have them. They like them, uh, but they have been teasing us with a uh, bullpup, a semi-automatic bullpup for a few years. And and it looks like that's uh, that's actually going to come to fruition. But, you know, there, it's, it's, it's hard it, to bring a bullpup to market when your competition is a, a, the battle-proven Steyr AUG, the Lithgow's version of the AUG for the Australian Defense Forces, and the, the IWI Taver series. That sounds awesome. I'm, I'm definitely jealous. It it sounds amazing. And I forgot Caltech. Caltech's got their RFB or whatever it is. They've always uh, got the Caltech always has something. <laughs> yeah, Caltech's always got some weird crap, but um, you know, but it seems to work. I've I've seen some guys. I know uh, I've had you know shot with some guys that had them. The the seven six two uh, Caltech bullpups, and yeah, they seem to like them. I mean, they're rough as a cop. Yeah, they're Caltech, but yeah, they seem to seem to work okay. Hey, if they work, that's all that matters. Uh, looks are secondary, but hey, I don't want to take up any more of your time. Uh, you've been more than gracious, but if you ever want to come back, there is an open invitation for you. No, absolutely. I, I can talk all night. There, there's, you know, it, this is it, it's fun. You know, talking guns and talking the the cool stuff at Shot Show. Um, 
yeah, there's still, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, there's still more to talk about. And, and it, it's, it's still a great, you know, it's still a cool show. There, there's always, always something to see. There's, um, you know, and the ammunition development is interesting to see what's going on with that. But there's, you know, I went up there for two and a half days and still didn't have enough time to really cover everything in depth. Well, you can't, there's so many booths out there. It's, I'm sure it's crazy. I've never, I've never actually had the chance to go to Shot Show, but I know with all of the information coming out of Shot Show that it's got to be a hectic event. Yeah, it's it's literally. Um, I think I did thirty thousand steps one day. Oh goodness um, gracious! You know, it's I've got that stupid little thing on my phone, and you know, in the morning before lunch, it dinged, it dinged, and said, "You have." Oh no, actually, uh, my buddy did thirty thousand steps. I did like. 19,000. I think he was walking too for every one of mine. Um, but it, it's like Dings that says, you you have reached your daily step goal of 6,000 steps or some crazy low number. And I'm like, oh, it's 10.30 in the morning. Uh, <laughs> you know, party on guard. Uh, right. my, buddy, my, my buddy, I think he said he did like 28,000, 29,000. And, you know, we walked it together. So I'm trying to figure out how his said 27. And I got shorted 10,000 steps, but yeah, I just think I was taking long, I must have been taking longer steps. Maybe. But, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of interesting stuff. Um, and, and it's, it, what's hard is to focus and hit everything in your area of interest because you, you, you know, I, I'm kind of ADHD in some ways and it's, oh, scroll, okay. Okay, well, we're going here, but I'm going to stop and talk to this guy for, I like talking to people, obviously, as you can probably tell. And, you know, it's like, oh, okay, well, I just blew 15 minutes chatting with some guy that I didn't intend to talk to. But, you know, I got to meet somebody new and learn some, you know, something new about, you know, why, you know, what his product does and why it's good. Right. Uh, then there's, you know, the weird stuff of the, you know, the, the circle grip that rotates completely around your, your rifle rail or something. I saw that. Yeah, you know, sometimes you just kind of scratch your head and wonder if that's gun bunny stuff or if I'm just not cool enough to understand, you know, <laughs> right. why it's useful. Yeah. Uh, like, okay, well, I'm either too dumb to get this or it really is dumb. Uh, right. Yeah. So I got, I got one more question before I let you go. Um, real quick, who, or I'm sorry, not who, what is your favorite cigar? Oh, that's a, that's a hard one. I like cigars. Um, I probably smoke more of the La Flor Dominicana brand uh, than anything else. That followed by Padron. Uh, I smoke a lot of uh, Perdomos. I smoke a lot of Perdomos. My favorite um, is the Padron 1964. Yes. Um, I actually smoked. I, I had a couple of those I've been aging for about seven or eight years. And I went into my locker, and I had them in a box with some Cubans that somebody gave me. And the uh, Cubans had tobacco bores, tobacco beetles in them. And they broke out. And luckily, I got to them. The Cubans were toast. Um, But I was able to save the Padrones and still smoke them. They're a little holy. My wife called. I said, yes, I'm smoking holy cigars. (laughs) <laughs> and, and then, of course, she got on me for being blasphemous. And I said, well, you know, I'm slightly irreverent. So, uh, 
you know, but uh, I, I was still able to smoke them. But yeah, the Padron 1964 anniversary are anniversary Arios, I think that's what they are. Uh, those are just they are exquisite cigars. Yeah, um, they really are. Opus X's are good when you can get them, but I, I'm I'm I don't like smoking fifteen twenty dollars cigars generally because you can find good ones for less. Right. But the the Opus X's are. Um, you know, they, they are consistently good cigars. The Padron 1964 Anniversarios, those are consistently good. Um, what did I get into? Um, yeah, that's, I, I've had uh, a few Cubans recently, some guys have brought back. And, and the joke about these Cubans that they brought back were, you know, they, 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 the, the joke is they almost have to be fake Cubans because they're too good. And uh, the quality control, the two consistent. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, they bought them at the right shop. They know they're real, but they're too consistent in quality and too good. So they're probably fakes. So right. those Cubans, right. you know, Cubans are known for, you know, most Cuban uh, cigar companies have, you know, horrible quality control. And mm-hmm. there's a few of them out there that, you know, Romeo and Juliet, I think, has decent quality control. They freeze their tobacco, which, you know, kills or delays the, uh, you know, makes it less likely you're going to have the tobacco beetles come out. Um, but a lot of the uh, Cuban factories just have really spotty QC. So you may get one one cigar that's good, and then the other one won't draw. Or the other one has horrible, you know, horrible aesthetics. So right. then, so I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of Cubans. Although I've been, uh, we we won a three day jury trial, and that, that was the one uh, my buddy gave me a couple of his, The guy I tried the case with, and he, uh, he that was one the joke came. He's like, yeah, we think these are fake. I said, why? He says, well, because they're too good. <laughs> they, the QC's too good. They're too consistent. But that's funny. Yeah, that's it. That's uh, you know the Padron. That's that's a solid. That's one of my favorites. Uh, Perdomo's got good ones. The, uh, the I've always been partial to the La Florida Manicana brand. Right. Um, they do a really good. I, I've, they've done a consistently good job with you know with uh, you know in my book. So and of course the federal government's trying to legislate tobacco you know um, cigars out of existence. Of course. Well, I mean, we can't have anything nice if the federal government <laughs> has anything to say about it. So. Yeah. Well, anyway, so yeah, that's cigars. That's uh, we. I should. Uh, if you ever get free on a Friday, you're welcome to come to the range and shoot with us and smoke a cigar with us. Oh I hell yeah, Friday. man! I am. I'll, I'm definitely going to take you up on that for sure. Um, we should do it. It's been brutally cold for the past month on Fridays, so yeah, I'll, kinda, I'll uh, wait till it warms up a little bit. Yeah. I just, you know, it's, it's funny. Up up until about Christmas, I I have a Friday. Uh, AR15.com and Texas Bowhunter and Texas Gun Talk and Moto Houston. I'll give a shout out to those websites. Um, Texas Gun Talk and Texas Bowhunter, MotoHouston.com are great firearms friendly. You know, Moto Houston's motorcycles, but they've got a, they're very firearms friendly. Uh, Texas Bowhunter is great. I'm a moderator on Texas Gun Talk. I, you know, that's one of my favorite uh, firearms websites here for the state. But I've got a Friday. Friday at the range, Friday gun porn thread. So uh, I post pictures up, and I realized I'm I got behind a few weeks, and now I'm starting to catch up. I'm about to run out of pictures to post, 
uh, because we haven't been able to get to the range on Fridays because of the inclement weather. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, the good thing is that Texas winters don't typically last too long, so it should start warming up here pretty soon. Yeah, I, I figured I'll schedule a late February deer hunt at this place I hunt, take my son to shoot a deer, and it'll be 90 degrees, so so I'll take care of that for us. Nice. Wherever I go deer hunting, it hits, it hits 80, and it's, they stop moving. Yeah. <laughs> well, Sean, I really appreciate your time today. Um, you know, with everything that's happening in Washington and the turmoil and, you know, the confusion that's happening, and I'm sure it's going to be the same story when the legislative session kicks off next session, uh, we'll definitely be having you on for your legal expertise regarding legislation. And even if you just want to come on and BS about guns, you have an open invitation, my friend. I appreciate it. Can I, uh, I, can I give a shout-out to a friend of mine? It's, uh, she is a, used to be a district court judge, and she's running for election in the 257th in Harris County. And mail-in ballot voting has started, and uh, her, her name is Alyssa Limkuhl. So if anyone's in Harris County and y'all want a, a really good family court judge on the bench who's fine, uh, you know, Second Amendment friendly, her husband... What's her name one more time? Alyssa Limkuhl. Alyssa Limkuhl. All righty. Well, hey, uh, you know, there you have it, guys. Take a look at her, and, uh, you know, I'm sure if Sean Cody says she's good, well, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I, I, practiced, I practiced in front of her. She's mediated a lot of my uh, family law cases. You know, she's, you know, she's, just, she's a very astute lawyer. She's a very good judge. And it's, she's a strong Republican, and we need, you know, we need people like her on the bench instead of some of the, you know, some of the people that, well, we'll just leave it at that. We need people like her on the bench. <laughs> there you go, guys. Alyssa Limkuhl. That's L-E-M-K-U-I-L. And don't forget, these judgeships are incredibly important, and they shouldn't be overlooked. And, and that would actually be a great topic for next time is, you know, is voting, you know, we need to, when we vote, we need to look at the down ballot and vote the down ballot, not just the presidential or the governor's race, because a lot of our local stuff, it, you know, we miss it when we vote because we don't go all the way down the ballot and look and see who we're, you know, who we're voting for. Right. That's, no, that's, right. that's another hour-long subject we could talk about. <laughs> oh, that, that, that could be probably a two-day-long subject. Uh, uh, yes. But anyway, I am running long, and uh, I do need to wrap up. But again, thanks, Sean. I really appreciate it. Hey, you're welcome. Thanks for having me on board. Anytime. And there you have it, guys. Mr. Sean Cody of Texas NFA Trust. Seriously, if you need a trust done, Sean Cody is the guy to go to. And check him out on social media for endless entertainment. I promise you will not be disappointed. 
That's going to do it for me for this week. Until next time, Lone Star Gunners, arm yourself with knowledge and share the ammo.